Hello, and welcome to We Live for Saturday, your favorite college football podcast. I'm your co-host, Mike, and with me as always is your other co-host, John. John, how you doing this evening? I'm doing all right, man. It's been a pretty good week. Very eventful here on uh, my end, um, but uh, productive, so no major complaints. A lot going on. Um, you know, this offseason sure uh, has started out with a bang um, in so as many ways. ever. You know, within the Big Ten, across all of college football, just, you know, nuts, man. So it, it's just it's not going to stop. That's just the way it is now, I think. Yeah, I think uh, what we thought about as having a hard offseason in the modern era, um, especially when we see these dalliances, when college coaches are looking at NFL jobs, the coaching cycle um, can restart at any time. And in this case, it was restarted because Nick Saban retired. Yep. And Nick Saban retired. And, you know, it's like it's exactly what we said was going to happen. Alabama would need a coach. The team they plucked from would need a coach. The team they plucked from would need a coach. Yeah. And it's not over yet. There is probably another huge change um, coming up and there will be more head coaching changes. The ripple effect will continue. So it's it's just crazy. So it's uh, you know, we're on Harbaugh watch now. Um, I know we were expecting that to happen. He is having meetings um, officially and uh, we're going to break all that down and talk about it here. Absolutely. And uh, before we get into it, John, is there anything in particular you want to announce? Absolutely. As always, uh, if you want to find We Live for Saturday, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Podcast Addict. And you can find us on Twitter at We Live for B1G Sat. You can also find Mike at Alibaba26. And you can find me at Norwegian Gopher. You can also email us with any questions, um, which we are looking for any uh, mailbag questions. We're also looking for um, uh, different fans from di- from every single fan base across the Big Ten. Um, you can email us. We live for Saturday, B1G at gmail.com. Awesome. All right. We're going to get into all the coaching carousel stuff in a second. Um, first off though, I wanted to talk about, we talked a little bit in a previous podcasts about the Buckeyes just absolutely killing in the transfer portal, picking up guys like Ole Miss's Quinshawn Judkins. But the underrated story is really that the Buckeyes have convinced a lot of their draft eligible players not to go to the draft and to come back for another run at a national title. And it just seems like when you look at what Michigan was this year, with such an experienced team, with a team that was really accomplished and had one goal left that they hadn't met, and it was winning that national title. Well, at Ohio State, the one goal is always the national title. There's no there's no worries about the Big Ten titles on the way. They expect they're going to have those on the way. Um, and it just really seems to me, John, like the Buckeyes are kind of imitating Michigan a little bit. Yeah. With trying so hard, throwing so many resources and, you know, I assume their their NIL collective so much, you know, money into keeping their guys one more year. Those guys who are going to be mid round draft picks um, and that also, you know, getting Quinshawn Judkins and, you know, a lot of people thought when Quinshawn Judkins announced he was going to transfer, they thought that Travion Henderson was for sure out of there, that he was going to go to the NFL. No, Travion staying for another year, too. And I think that shows, along with getting Will Howard at quarterback, who's more of a dual threat quarterback, I think we're going to see a return to what Ryan Day first ran when Urban Meyer was still the coach of more of a power spread, you know, where they play a little more power football, run the ball a little more, lean on their running backs, have a quarterback who contributes in the run game. You know, I think is Ryan Day going to go? Is he going the whole way like I think he is and becoming a little more like Michigan? to try to beat Michigan Mm -hmm. because he also um, has revamped his staff, brought on new players, most of them, you know, or brought in new coaches, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, sorry, go on. Yeah, no, I I absolutely think he has. I think he has to. I mean, we saw what happened, um, you know, not when Harbaugh went ahead and did all of the same, did all of that. And now obviously he's now finally come away with a national title. I think, you know, what, 
you have to do as much as I know uh, Ryan Day's system worked for a very long time and it worked very well and it was still working essentially to a degree. You know, it just wasn't getting him national titles, which the fan base, the administration, um, you know, they they that's what they expect year in and year out. And yes. um, and when you don't get there and then when you start losing to Michigan, as we've talked about before um, consecutively, then you've got a real problem on your hands and you have to address it and you have to take drastic measures. And he's doing it. He's changing over. Uh, I think he ha- he has to change his identity um, and evolve. And I love that you pointed out in a previous episode talking about how is college football moving back towards more of that, you know, old school ground and pound, um, you know, uh, you know, look, uh, I guess like power football that, that we, you and I grew up seeing instead of like those air raid, uh, offenses where you're just, you know, throwing the ball all over the place and seeing a bunch of fireworks, which is still there, but we're now, you have to now incorporate a lot, a lot of that more, a lot more of that. And you need line of scrimmage play. You need running backs. You need play action. You need to have a read option. You need to like, and so there's, that's exciting. And it's, I think it makes the game more dynamic. And I think, um, you know, Ryan Day is seeing that, that he can't just rely on a, a, a superstar quarterback and a bunch of amazing wide receivers. He's got to be able to do more than that um, to, to get to an, and to get to and to win a national title. Yeah, and I think it's specifically at the very top end of the sport where we're seeing that trend towards power football with teams like Georgia and Michigan mm-hmm. now, and now Ohio State potentially. So that's definitely something to track. I'm going to be really excited, you know, to see how that develops in the off season and what Michigan and Ohio State both look like, you know, roster wise come next season. Yeah, um, John, Alabama hired Nick Saban's replacement. That yep. happened. So you've all probably all heard that by now. This is a little bit of old news, but we just want to go over it quickly. Uh, Kalen DeBoer coming from coaching the Washington Huskies in the national title game. And now he is the head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide. He is bringing along his offensive coordinator from Washington, Ryan Grubb, to be his no, new OC at Alabama. And he also hired uh, South Alabama head coach Kane Womack as his new defensive coordinator. Womack was with DeBoer at Indiana. He also hired the former IU SNC staff from 2019 to go with him to Alabama. So I want to talk about the, the IU connection in a minute here, but let's talk, let's, let's focus on DeBoer first. Um, so the concern here's the, let's talk about the positive with DeBoer. DeBoer's record, John, as a head coach, as I'm sure you've heard this stat thrown out recently is 104 and 12. Which is bananas. Yeah. And you can say, oh, a lot of that was at the NAIA level. But you know what? There are still people trying to to win. Everybody else has scholarships too. So to have that kind of insane record in all his head coaching stops is totally wild. Mm -hmm. And here's another stat for you. After the first year at every program, right? So if you take away the first year, say that's a rebuild year, which which we often do in judging coaching tenures, right? We often will weigh the first year not as heavy, heavily as we weigh later years when they have, quote unquote, their guys and have their systems more in place. Mm-hmm. Um, after that first year at any stop, he is 80 and three. So this guy wins at an insane level. Yep. The worry if you're hiring DeBoer, there's only one worry. There's only one because I. it seems like a can't-miss hire with the way he wins and the fact that he just had Washington in the national title game. Washington, which made the playoff once, but they hadn't been to a national title game since the early 90s. So to do that at Washington is you know unprecedented um, a little bit in the modern era. The worry is recruiting. DeBoer did not translate his success at Washington into elite recruiting success. His current Washington class is 26th in the country. And considering he just played in the national title game, you would think his recruiting class would be a little better than that at a school in Washington that historically recruits fairly well, not at like a top 10 level, but at like a top 25 ish level. So You'd think when you're winning that much on the field, the way he has the last two years, that you'd be recruiting a little better than that. And some of his recruiters have not been good at sealing the sealing the deal with top prospects. So 
at Alabama, you're expected to be in the top three nationally for recruiting every single year. Can DeBoer do that? This, to me, is the single greatest question mark in regards to whether or not he succeeds in Tuscaloosa. Um, the other thing is, DeBoer also lacks experience coaching in the SEC geographic footprint, which may or may not be a big deal. You know who else lacked experience in the SEC footprint before he went to LSU? Nick Saban. And it worked out pretty well for him. Um, so there will be a learning curve as he'll ha- he doesn't have those ready-made relationships with high school coaches across the deep South. You know, it'll take DeBoer a while to build those relationships, but I also assume he's going to put guys on his staff at his new staff who are ACE recruiters and guys who already have those relationships. I don't think he's going to just try to carry. I know he brought the offensive coordinator with, but I don't think he's going to just try to bring all the rest of his, you know, position coaches with him from Washington. I think he's going to upgrade and find guys who can recruit at an elite level. Um, so John, what do you think? What do you think about this hire? How do you project this? Is it possible to replace Nick Saban and succeed? Is that even a thing that is possible to do? I mean, I think it's a great hire. I think it was the best hire that you could have made in this, in this round. Um, I don't think at this time, you know, who else is better and more proven in my opinion, um, that, that Alabama had access to right at that point in time of this hire. And I think, I think he is, he, he does, man. I mean, the guy wins wherever he goes. Um, his players love him. His staff seems to really like him and he's well-respected by the fans, by administrations. I mean, the, the guy is just, he's, he really just fits the bill for, for a solid head coach. And he seems to obviously love a challenge, um, I think, you know, he will be okay when it comes to recruiting. I think he's going to be able to, to, uh, adjust to that down South. Um, just fine. I'm not expecting that to be too much of a, of an issue or a problem. It may, you know, it may dip a little bit, um, initially, but I don't think that's going to be, it would be something I would worry about long-term. Um, for me, you know, the thing that I am the most concerned about, and I made a little joke on Twitter about it, but I'm also kind of serious is like what, you know, even if he does win and he, and he does look better, but, but for at a program, you know, much like Ohio state with Alabama, the expectation is a national title getting to the national title and more often than not winning it. Mm-hmm. And if for some reason, if he dips at all and doesn't make it into, you know, um, uh, he, he doesn't either make it to to the national title game con- for consecutive years or he loses in the semis or he doesn't even make it to the semis, you know, then is that fan base ever going to because there's generations that don't know what it is to lose at Alabama. Yep. And are they they don't know how to handle that they have no idea what that feels like um and i don't know if that fan base can handle it um no. i i don't know how rational and realistic people are down there when it comes to that because they don't know anything else and so i don't entirely blame them you know when that's just all you know um you know that's that's the expectation but they if they aren't patient and if they don't let him be him, uh, I can see a great coach like Kalen DeBoer going away, which which is would be tragic. And frankly, I think tragic for Alabama because I don't think that the them pulling the trigger early because he's not winning national titles in his first two, you know, one, two, three years um, that that's all of a sudden you know cause for firing at that time. I think if he is at least getting you into the semifinals and maybe even getting you to the the national title in his recruiting continues to get better um, and you can see the progress, uh, you know, you you should stick with the guy because I do think he has longevity. But like I said, there are there are generations of Bama fans that don't know what that's like just to have to build back up to anything. All they know is elite and all they know is winning. And so that's what concerns me the most. Is he able to survive two or three years without getting fired because he's not winning national titles? And the SEC has gotten tougher, man. I yep. mean, guys, coaches like Brian Kelly have come to the SEC. Kirby Smart's been ru- essentially running the conference. He didn't win it this year, but he's been running the conference and had that run of a couple 
national titles. And now you're adding Texas and Oklahoma. And Texas is for the first time in 15 years, Texas is clicking on all cylinders and running at fully operational. Yep. When Texas is up and running, that is one of the, you know, three or four or five best jobs in the country. Like it's right there. And actually from what I've, I try to dig into this a little bit, John, and um, apparently Texas's NIL situation is better than Alabama's mm. because remember Alabama. Now we think Kalen DeBoer is a great hire, but he wasn't their first pick. They yeah. went to, they went to Sarkeesian at Texas and they went to Dan Lanning at Oregon. And both those guys parlay and Mike Norvell at Florida State. I, it's not clear if they offered it to him or not, but they yeah. talked to him. Yeah. Um. So, you know, he was at least their third pick, probably. But he might have been the best. You know, he definitely has a longer record than Dan Lanning of winning. You know, Dan Lanning looks like a great coach and he has that southeast footprint. But he's only, you know, he's only done it a couple of years. He hasn't won any big games. So I think they did well um, getting DeBoer. It's just like you said. In this new world, it's going to be harder to win a national title because there's going to be one more game you have to play on the way. Well, if, and, if, especially if you don't hit, if you don't reach those top four, you know, spots where you get the buy. Well, and and the thing with Alabama now, the thing that I think is going to be the biggest change that all of us are going to have to get used to is what brought those five stars consistently to Alabama, those players and the um, that wanted to play there. It wasn't because, and I, and I'm not trying to throw shade here at at the University of Alabama, but it wasn't because of the university. It wasn't because of the you know the fact that like Alabama is just like you know has has the same level of recruiting grounds that Texas does or Florida it doesn't and it, the the allure of Bama was Nick Saban yep that was it and with him gone what like what do they have i'm not saying they don't have anything i'm not saying they're they're not competitive they're not still possibly you know or probably will maintain to be one of the top tier elite programs in all of college football but for it may not be what it was because you lose the greatest coach of all time of the modern era in college football. And that is why people went. That's why kids went there, period. Well, yeah. And the reports are that these elite prospects were taking NIL discounts that Alabama said, no, 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 we don't pay the most money up front. You are signing on for the privilege of being coached by Nick Saban, the guy who puts, you know, a, a bajillion guys in the NFL draft every year. Yep. Right. So you've seen a lot of guys go in the portal. Now that Alabama, you know, has a new coach, their players have 30 days, you know, to be in the portal and decide if they want to leave or if they want to stay for the new regime. And this is going to be, man, a lot of Kalen DeBoer, how well he does at Alabama could be defined in the next couple weeks, mm -hmm. you know, depending on how many of those guys he can sell on his vision and say, Hey, I know you came to play for Nick Saban, but we can win a national title too. Yeah. And mm -hmm. the talent's there if he can sell them on staying. Yep. You know? It'll be interesting, man, to see what happens for sure. Um, let's talk about college football sliding doors a little bit. Sliding right. doors, that's the segment. That's I just named that segment right now. We can we're workshopping it. We can decide if that's what we want to go with. But I want to talk about because of Kalen DeBoer. I want to talk about the 2019 IU football staff. And they had Tom Allen as head coach, Kalen DeBoer, new, new Alabama head coach, Kalen DeBoer as offensive coordinator, Kane Womack, new Alabama defensive coordinator as DC, and Michael Penix. And when Indiana had that breakthrough year in 2020, you know, they had that. Um, he lost Pinnix essentially. I well, here's what I'm saying. I think if Michael Pinnix stays in Bloomington, Tom Allen still has his job. Yep. And he lost Pinnix because he couldn't field an O-line good enough to protect him. Pinnix kept getting hurt. So finally, uh, you know, Allen finally hired legendary O uh O-line coach Bob Bostead, which was a great hire. But by then Pinnix was already gone and the damage was done. You know, he had his buddy as O-line coach. Um on staff for far too long. So Tom Allen was really close to having a great tenure at Indiana. If he could have just figured out the offensive line with that staff with Michael Penix, who knows what 
heights they hit these mm-hmm. last couple years when Penix has gone, you know, ballistic in Washington. And yeah, I think Penix wanted after having so many injuries, I think part of it is he wanted to go to a conference with less, uh, you know, less intense defensive line play without so many NFL defensive line players like you see in the Big Ten every week. Yeah. Um, so I think that was part of it. But I don't know, man. I think if their O-line is legit at all, I just think that, you know, Michael Penix probably stays and pro- we're probably having a totally different conversation about his like legacy and, and where and the, and the IU pro- football program in general. And it's just it's it's just the difference between success and failure is so such a fine line at this level. <laughs> It is such a fight. The oh, the 2019 IU strength and conditioning staff is also with DeBoer at Alabama, by the way. So they had, I mean, they had, think how close Indiana was to building something great. I know. And, and I just, I can't imagine being Tom, Tom Allen and being like, just knowing that and having to live with that. Oh, yeah. Like, ah, it's got to eat away at you, man. You know, I feel for the guy because I, I loved him as a coach, man. He was, he was, he seemed like a solid dude. Um, I guess yeah, players, he cared about his players. Yeah. yeah. I respect that. What guy, I respect sure. the guys who care about their players. Absolutely. But um, yeah, but Hey, he's going to have a good time as Penn state defensive coordinator. I think, I think Tom Allen's going to have plenty of fun winning a lot of big 10 games. Oh, I agree. I think so too. I think he'll do, I think he'll do well there too. Yeah. I, I really do. Yeah. All right. Let's, should we talk about Michigan? Let's do it. All right. Let's talk about Jim Harbaugh here. Jim Harbaugh, head coach of Michigan, reportedly interviewed with the San Diego Chargers today. The Raiders reportedly also have interest in Harbaugh. So, John, it'll be fascinating to see. Is Harbaugh going to go to the NFL or is he just leveraging all this interest from NFL teams to, like, make his Michigan contract the greatest, you know, in the history of the Big Ten? Because I could see that going either way and he reportedly a big sticking point is he's asking for to get language in his contract which would protect his job in the event the ncaa punishes michigan over the sign stealing scandal it's saying that you know he should be that that you can't fire him because of that um and apparently michigan doesn't want to commit to that which i'm kind of surprised that after he won a national title, I guess Michigan still wants to put up the veneer of respectability, even after they've been outed as, you know, cheating a lot. <laughs> I mean, I, I look, man, none of this surprises me at all. This is this is so <laughs> spot on Harbaugh and so spot on Michigan. Like this is like they're just trying to play this game of of uh you know, appeasing the audience and making themselves out to be more, uh, you know, I don't know, holier than thou than they really are. And like, oh, we, we all play by the rules. We're totally, you know, we're we're up to par. We we do all the things that we we're supposed to. Like, this is all just like, a, you know, something just to get Michigan. And that's what everybody's always been after us for. But it's like the, this stuff happens for a reason, you know, and it's been happening for a mm-hmm. long time. And it's not Jim Harbaugh. This isn't the first time. So, uh I just think it's hilarious. Um, you know, it's frustrating, obviously, as an opposing uh, fan fan from um, you know, from a different different program here. But at the same time, it's just it's very on brand. Yeah. No, I so I the latest I saw the odds makers they have the most likely odds. It was like minus one fifty Harbaugh um, going pro and for the Chargers. And then the next most likely was him staying at Michigan. I mean, so like I, I really think Harbaugh wants to be in the NFL, but um, uh, it's I don't think he's gonna go unless he gets assurances the team is gonna be run in a way that is consistent with what with his vision for it. And a lot of GMs don't want to give that kind of control or input to a coach. They just don't. They think being a coach is enough of a job. So that's the question. Is someone impressed enough by Harbaugh to kind of give him the keys and let him do things his way? And I was just, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking the same thing, man. Like, I I, I think it is highly likely I have to lean toward him going to the NFL right now. 
but very slightly though i i think there is a a very good possibility um i don't think it's what's going to happen but i think there i it would not surprise me at all if he ends up still at mayor or at michigan again next year because i agree man i don't think this is a guy that want i mean look at how he treats the ncaa look at how he treats anyone else who who <laughs> Who puts him into question? Him. Who yeah. questions him? And it's doesn't not, like it. He doesn't even get angry. He just totally dismisses it, or or acts like it didn't even happen. Like because he's unaffected. And so I don't think aloof. A, yeah, I, yeah. I don't think a GM in the NFL is going to tolerate that or want to deal with that because obviously this man is pretty difficult to deal with. Now, Michigan, I think obviously you can make an exception. Or they may make an exception because of the fact that he's won them national a national title and he's you know brought them you know back to the to the uh, the upper echelon of college football and, and some sustainability there. So I don't know, man. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he stayed. I also wouldn't be surprised if he left. He won big in the NFL too, though. He did. He won big at San Francisco in the NFL. And I look at Justin Herbert with the Chargers. Justin Herbert is a Jim Harbaugh kind of quarterback. Yeah. He's this big built guy who's got a big arm. He can, you know, he's pretty accurate and he can run the ball when he needs to and, and extend plays with his legs and then make throws downfield by extending plays with his legs. Like that's a Jim Harbaugh quarterback. That's like, that's the pro version of what JJ McCarthy has been the last three years for Jim Harbaugh. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think he, he's always wanted to go back to the NFL. I think he definitely feels that he's got some unfinished business there. He wants to win a Super Bowl. I know like I, I, you know, with how competitive this guy is, I'm sure he has, it's got to kill him. His brother has a Super Bowl and he does. I was just to kill him inside. Yes. I was just going to say that. And that is why I think he wants to go back to be honest with you. Yeah, uh, you know, and and you know, I get it. And you know, what else does he have to prove in in college football at this point in time? He's already done it all. And no, he proved he could win a national t- championship at Michigan. And I think a lot of people were unsure if Michigan was the kind of program that could even still win a national title. Yeah, so I mean, for were... him to do it, for him to do it without those top three recruiting classes, like yeah. not that not that Michigan's devoid of talent, like folks we're still talking about top 10 recruiting classes exactly michigan is not some you know talentless what a talentless you know downtrodden program people people you know i knew going into the washington game michigan's a lot more talented just based on recruiting rankings alone and you saw that kind of play out on the field Mm -hmm. against the huskies so michigan still is plenty talented but they're not ohio state or alabama or texas or georgia they're not Well, and there was there was a number of years where it was questionable whether or not Michigan's time at the top as a, you know, uh, an elite, you know, blue blood status, not that they would lose their blue blood status, but like one of those elite, elite teams, um, if that was just over. Yeah. Um, And Ohio State was just going to be dominant from here on and forever to the end of time. And Jim Harbaugh changed that narrative. It took him a little while to get there, but he's done it now for the last three years. And this year really sealed it. So. Yeah, man. Um, I think it'll be interesting. I am not surprised again. I think it's like I said on brand that Harbaugh wants some kind of language within his contract to protect himself. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just. He again, like I said, I it's it sucks as an opposing fan, um, but at the same time, Harbaugh is insanely entertaining in the world of college football. Oh, yeah. So. You know, I I don't say I want to. I'll miss him as a as an opposing coach, but I will kind of miss his antics in in, in regard to like just watching him and how he treats the NCAA and the press and whatever. It's 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 just hilarious. If he goes well, that's why last year I wanted the perfect. I thought the perfect thing was it would have been if he had gotten the Vikings job. Yeah, as like just living in Minneapolis, I can't help but hear about the Vikings. Just living in this market and caring about sports at all. So you could have had Harbaugh in the Minneapolis market and out of Ann Arbor. But yeah, as as you know, as a as a fan of a of a rival Big Ten school. Yeah, I sort of hope Michigan goes pro what he's a you know, I mean, Harbaugh goes pro what he's accomplished at Michigan is unbelievable and it's pretty terrifying. And as good as they've been, we haven't seen him rebuild with a national championship to recruit with, you know. 
with that, you got to believe that the next JJ McCarthy is going to be, if he's not already on campus, he's going to be, you know, Harbaugh's going to find him, you know? So I, I sort of, I selfishly hope he goes pro, but I agree with you. I will miss sort of his attitude and kind of just, just, just the way his unique take on things, you know, if he was, uh, if he were to leave. Yeah. So, who do you think, or how should we? Should we should talk a little bit about the uh, uh, the possible replacements if they were to if that were to happen. I know there's a couple at the or a few at the top of the list. I know Sharon Moore, Lance Leopold, and uh, Chris Clayman. Yeah, and uh, Sharon Moore, of course, is the Michigan offensive coordinator. Lance Leopold is the head coach of the Kansas Jayhawks, and uh, Chris Clayman is the head coach of the Kansas State. Wildcats. Yeah. I think it's worth talking about because like I said, I think it, you know, this is very, very possible for it to happen. Um, I think all three candidates are, uh, very capable. Um, there's definitely some, I, I personally would like to see more than others. And I'm sure there's some, there's, you know, that Michigan fans have their own personal, um, desires when it comes to these three head coaches or who knows maybe there's others as well that uh but i know these are the the top three that i've been i've heard thrown around the most yeah um a lot of people think that it'll be sharon Moore for sure Mm -hmm. that that's what jim harbaugh would want that he would endorse that however i'm gonna be a contrarian on this one i'm gonna say that would be a mistake Moore did not totally impress me when he was the head coach this year. I thought um, I thought when he was interviewed after the game, you know, he was dropping F-bombs on TV and, like, couldn't express himself clearly. And, like, maybe it's not fair. You know, that was a big win. It was a big emotional win against Penn State. Um, maybe it's not fair to judge how a guy behaves in those moments. But that's kind of what the job of being a major college football coach is, yeah. is finding the right way to behave in the major moments mm-hmm. and the fact that he was so like incoherent in that moment. And I'm, I don't know, maybe that's totally unfair for, of me. Um, but I will say what Shrone Moore has done is he knows how to build an offense in the Jim Harbaugh image. Um, he's a good recruiter. You know, he could, the best case scenario is he's what David Shaw was in the first few years after Jim Harbaugh left. Right. Where, where David Shaw still had the Stanford program kind of going at a Jim Harbaugh level, you know, before things kind of fell off later in his tenure. I think, you know, I, I think he would do just fine. Um, I, you know, I'm, I don't know if it would be, if I would feel totally comfortable with him. I, yeah, he's 37 years old, um, which is pretty darn young. Um, yep. For a head coaching position, especially at a program like Michigan, especially um, without any experience as a as a real experience as a head coach, exactly. And that's my that's my concern is that yes. anytime you hand it to a guy like that who hasn't done it before, and that's that's exactly mine as well. I, I I'm not saying he isn't capable. This is not any you know. Again, I know we've t- you mentioned we've talked about ageism before. That's not you know. This isn't yeah, he's saying he's too young and he's incapable. I think he he is. I'm just not sure at this level of this program um, that that's what I would personally as a fan feel comfortable with, not to say it couldn't be a, a, a resounding success, but it would give me some pause. I would feel a little bit more comfortable having someone who's a little bit more proven, um, mm-hmm. has, you know, has a longer track record as a head coach and as a winning head coach. And that's where, you know, I start to look at these other options of like Lance Leipold and Chris Kleiman. And, and you see, you see there's, there's more to show there. There's more of a resume. It's interesting because if you go, the Chris Kleiman would make a lot of sense in that he runs a very similar offense to what Michigan already does. It's kind of in your face, two tight ends, FU power football. Um, and that's very similar. You know, that's what Michigan just did to, to win a national title. Mm-hmm. So a guy like Chris Kleiman makes total sense to me and would be, I think, kind of a maybe kind of a seamless transition, as seamless as you could have. Um, again, 
The only only question with him is he's never recruited at a truly elite level. Yeah. And if you're going to be the head coach at Michigan, like you can't Kleiman's getting recruiting classes in like the low 40s. Like granted Michigan recruits itself to some extent, but you can't suddenly start getting like a tw- top 25, 20 like a the 22nd or 3rd or 5th best recruiting class at Michigan. Like that's not going to be good enough. Just like the 10th best recruiting class is good enough at Michigan, but at Alabama that wouldn't be good enough. Right? If Kalen DeBoer gets the 10th best recruiting class, he's going to be in trouble. Um whoever succeeds Harbaugh, and I guess if you're worried about the recruiting aspect of it, then maybe you do go with Sharon Moore because he's yeah. proven he can recruit at that level. Um, Lance Leopold's interesting to me because offensively, schematically, it is very disparate. It's very different to what Michigan does now. There's a lot more bells and whistles. It's a lot more dressed up. There's more trick plays. It's, you know, it's a more modern looking offense for sure. Um, that's not to say it's not, that's not to say it's like an air raid or anything like that. They still run the ball plenty. Like, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a very, very different kind of offense. So with Leopold, I think the two questions is, can he also, can he recruit at that level? And also what does it look like? Should Michigan go away from this identity? Cause remember Lloyd Carr, you know, had that identity. Bo Schembechler had that identity and that brought a lot of winning for Michigan and Jim Harbaugh going back to that two tight ends in your face, power football, has won them a national title. Like, do you want to go away from that at this mm-hmm. point? Or is, or do you want to lean into it and say, this is who we are. We're Michigan. We're going to be the number one power football playing, you know, playing school, this side of Georgia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, that's an incredibly good argument. Um, you know, uh, which does make your own more look a little bit more like uh, the safer bet. Um, as far as just maintaining that identity, which has obviously gotten them very far here. Um, you know, I guess it's, it's easy for me to play around with it as a non Michigan fan and try Mm -hmm. to find the, the pros, um, you know, through, through both of these and see, see how all three of them could work out um, in Michigan's favor. But, you know, uh, I would I guess it's it's not an easy decision. And I I was kind of curious. The reason I, I wanted to talk about it is because it, it does seem because both of them, uh, at least Lance Leipold, I think I, I maybe Chris Clayman as well, um, were also approached about the Washington job, I think, and turned it down yep. and made it public. But yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I asked you about this, uh, a day or two ago though, like are, did they turn that down because they know or are expecting the Michigan job to open up and that they may be these top candidates? Ooh, that's really interesting. So is it not that they wanted to necessarily are sure they want to stay, but that they, they're happy enough where they are to roll the dice on the Michigan job opening up? And knowing you're going to be from maybe from back channels, maybe from your agent, you know, hey, you're going to be on the short list at Michigan. Yeah, I mean, I could see I could see that for either of them. It would be a meteoric rise for either. Both of those guys have won all the way from the bottom up. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes me wonder, because I do think. You know, Washington is an amazing job. And obviously now that they'll be in the Big Ten, it may, you know, it's an even higher profile job than what it was before. But we're talking about not only, you know, I mean, yes, a team that just won the national title, but this is this is Michigan. It's it's this is one of the premier programs for the past, you know, 100 plus freaking years. Um, So would you want to roll the dice? Because they are I'm sure they're they're, you know, just fine in Kansas. I know Lance Leipold probably really, you know, he may out of out of uh, the two of them. I'm sure he's the one who's probably actually pretty darn happy in Kansas. He can do whatever he wants there at this point. Yeah. Um, but it just made me think like, you know, it's easy to say, yeah, sure. I'm fine. If you know that there's another possibility of coming around the bend and something as high profile as Michigan. Um, and would they jump ship then, you know, is that, is that something that they would be willing to turn down if given that opportunity? Yeah. And it's, 
It's enough. I was just thinking of like ho- high profile guys and like the one guy you don't have to worry about is Luke Fickle. Luke Fickle's not going to be the Michigan coach. He's Mr. Buckeye, right? Yep. So there's no worry about him jumping there, I don't think. So yeah, well, if you're if you're climbing in Leopold, you probably are looking around and thinking if they don't go internal, it's going to be one of you two guys. I'm trying to think everyone else. I feel like a lot of other coaches have signed extensions mm-hmm. or have, you know, have made commitments recently that have them tied to their schools with pretty big buyouts and things like that in the, sh- in the near future, at least. Yeah. Um, so how many realistically, how many candidates are there even? Yeah. Well, and that, that, that's what I was thinking. And then also like we've, we, we've touched on is that this isn't a jump just to, to Michigan. You're now coming into the big 10 from the big 12. So you're guaranteed better recruits, you're guaranteed more money, you're guaranteed ever, you know, everything is a major upgrade now. Yeah. And, you know, again, not trying to disparage the Big 12 or anything there, but that's just the reality of the situation now. It's the power two, it is no longer the power five. And so it's the a money, huge, the money's just different. It's yeah, hugely different. It's a major step up for either of these guys. So yeah, that's just what what's been on my mind. I'm just look, I'm curious to see how that all pans out. Um, but so you're a- Michigan AD. Let's say you're Ward Manuel. Jim Harbaugh says it's been real, but I'm out. You know, remember me fondly. Like he does that. Who are you hiring, John Brink? You know, you've made such a good argument for Sharon Moore. Um, and it's not what I was intending to do. No, I know, but like I, I, I think it's like they. I really see your points, and they're very valid. But like, and and Lance Leipold, you know, as much as I, re- I love and respect the guy, I think you're absolutely right that his style just. I don't think it would translate um, as well. And it, it, there's too much risk there. Um, I think in that regard. But I think you know, and you've talked about it before, and I want to hear your thoughts because I think you, you have expressed that it's Chris Kleiman is the one that, that would might be the one that would work the best and be, uh, be pretty darn scary. If it's me, if it's me, I'm taking Chris Kleiman and I'm saying, Hey, look, you can hire coordinators, whoever you want, but your position coaches are going to be better recruiters than what you have on, than some of the guys you have on staff. Maybe you've got a guy who's a star recruiter on staff that you want to keep because selling guys on going to Manhattan. I, I have a buddy who played at Wazoo and he said he was all ready to go to Manhattan, Kansas, and then he visited Manhattan, Kansas, and he went to Pullman instead hmm. because Manhattan, Kansas was that depressing, he thought. It is. That it is. His, I've, I've but been I, there. I'm saying <laughs> Pullman is not exactly a metropolis itself. No. So if you're picking, if you're picking Pullman over Manhattan, like that's, that's a statement on like how tough it is to recruit to Manhattan. Well, I've been to Manhattan, Kansas, and yeah. I've been in the vicinity of Pullman, and uh-huh. I can tell you, um, there's a lot more going on in Washington than there is in Manhattan. Oh yeah. Oh okay. Dude. I mean, I it's to me. I'm not saying the city's like all exciting in Pullman, and like there's this amazing nightlife and things to do there. But I'm telling you, Manhattan, Kansas is it is it is depressing, dude. It really is. I I. I, yeah, I've been there more than once. So, and yeah. Anyway, I don't blame. Yeah. Him. <laughs> and, if but, you're Cl- and if you're Kleinman, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go on. No, uh, but I guess I didn't actually answer the question, and I think I would go actually now with Sharon Moore. But I, okay. but my close second choice would be would be Kleinman. Yeah, yeah. Sharon Moore is the it's the closest to a Ryan Day type hire. Yeah. If that's what you want, you know. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it'll be really fascinating. I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of at the edge of my seat. I'm checking Twitter all the time, wondering who's going to be the Michigan coach next season. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of other coaches, should we talk about, uh, Washington and Jed fish and talk about this ripple effect of what, what we, you know, the whole, the fact that it just goes boom, 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 boom. And like, look at what's happening now at now Arizona's left with their, you know, they're left wanting. Yeah. So uh, the University of Washington moved quickly to fill Kalen DeBoer's uh, seat and hired Jed Fish from the University of Arizona to be head coach. Uh, Fish went 10 and three this year after winning just one game a couple years ago. So it was been a stunning and quick turnaround. 
Um, Fish has proven he can recruit at a high level. He's recruited some really big guys to play at Arizona. Um, he hasn't pr- stayed anywhere long enough to prove he can sustain it. Um, but I'll say, so John, the Jedfish thing is funny, right? For you and me in particular, because we are Minnesota Golden Gopher fans. So for me, Jedfish is the guy who walked into Dinky Town and ruined Adam Weber. He ruined him. He had him yeah. throwing with like tennis balls or baseballs or something and like had this like gigantic playbook that was way too big to function at the college level that he had picked up in his pro stint with the Ravens. And I mean, I thought he was a clown. I thought he was a clown. I thought he ruined Adam Weber and Adam Weber was functionally was functioning perfectly well before he showed up to town. He showed up to town. He was never the same. Yep. So um i'm not inclined to like jed fish i'm just not i it was because dude and and for anybody out there who doesn't understand of what that was to watch adam weber and and those years uh he was second team all conference as a sophomore it was heartbreaking and especially knowing the the guy and and who you know like not knowing him personally necessarily but like the, who he was as a person too, and watching this just everything just melt down was so heart wrenching. Um, and yeah, so anyway, uh, yeah, I, and I then get Jed your... Fish rode out of town and left us in the lurch. Yep, yep. After breaking Adam, whatever he broke him, and then he left. Yes. Yeah. So I'm not inclined <laughs> to like him, but I will say what he did at Arizona is really impressive. Yes, it is. Um. And so now he gets a shot at Washington. If I'm Washington, I'm a little worried about hiring a guy who hasn't stayed anywhere very long. Mm-hmm. Like I think Jed Fish's longest job has been three years or the longest job since he spent four years with the Ravens was the last three years at Arizona. Um, so he's been a guy who moved around a lot. So I, if I'm Washington, I'm a little worried about that, but you're also, you're Washington you're thinking we just rode Michael Penix and some NFL receivers to a national title game. Jed Fish is a guy who we think can recruit an NFL quarterback and NFL receivers to come develop here and be the next you know, version of that. Mm-hmm. So from Washington's perspective, I totally get it. I think it makes a lot of sense. It's just the thing about Jed Fish is that next year, what if Billy Napier at Florida gets fired next year and Jed Fish gets that call? Is he going to stay at Washington or is he going to job hop again? Cause that's what he does. Yeah. No, it's, it, it, it would, it would make me a little concerned as well. And, and, and I think, you know, the, the, on the plus side, you know, fish, he has ties to Seattle having worked for Pete Carroll and Seahawks in 2010 yep. Uh, you know, he's familiar with the Big Ten terrain, you know, a, you know, recruiting out on the West Coast. Um, and he was also he did spend. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. He spent two years as Michigan's offensive coordinator under Jim Harbaugh as well. And so I think like the guy knows how to recruit. I think he recruits pretty well. I think he does well in the transfer portal. Um, I think he's also accustomed to competing against programs with like better resources uh so i think that can work in his favor but yeah i washington's a good job but it's not it's not ohio state or penn state or you know or usc or michigan it's Mm -hmm. not so i think you know i think there's definitely a lot of potential there for him to do really really well but like i like you said and i i agree as a washington fan i'd be a little concerned on like okay what's this guy is he is he loyal enough to stick around for very long and to be honest as a washington fan how many coaches have you gone through in the last 10 years yeah already like you're try- like sure you've had some some really uh, amazing success and then some high highs high highs and super low lows and now yep. like where are we going from here and i as a washington fan i just want some continuity and and I think that's what probably ripped the heart out of uh, Husky fans when they when DeBoer left is like, yes. they finally got they're getting there and they're finally got to the big game. And all of a sudden he's gone again. And now we're starting over and, and they just I, I it's a it's a roller coaster there, dude. And so oh, I'd yeah. be just I'd be a little nervous. Absolutely. And they reportedly to Washington's credit, they reportedly tried to double his salary, which yeah. like 
if you're trying to keep a coach, you can't do much better than doubling the amount of money you're already paying him when you're trying to get him to stay. So Washington did everything it could do to try to get DeBoer to stay. But I'm sure DeBoer was saying, you know, there's there's like five jobs in the country that are different from everybody else. And Alabama is one of those jobs. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think, like I said, I think there's a, a pretty high ceiling there with Jed Fish. Um, but I would be afraid of uh, longevity. So, so I want to talk about one aspect of this that I think is true both for Washington, potentially, but also for Arizona. And that's, and also actually also Alabama um, to some extent, although not as much with them because their coach is retiring and not going to take a different job. But the thing about Arizona that's that about the modern era that's really tough right now is that we're in this place where it used to be losing your coach was hard and that was tough, but at least you always had talent for the new guy to build around, right? Now, if you're not towards the top of the power two, when your coach leaves, your best players are going to walk right out the door with him. Mm-hmm. And some of them are going to go with him to the next spot. And some of them are going to, you know, ask for the highest bidder in the portal, you know, and that's, that's just going to happen. And it's a huge problem because if you're think, if you're a, a fan of a big 12 school or you're a fan of an ACC school in the era, like you said, John, in the era of the power two, when the big 10 and the sec have all the money and the best TV contracts and the most influence, like, how quickly are you going to jump when you get a shot to coach in one of the two top conferences that have the most stability? You're going to probably move unless you're at like Florida state or Clemson or Notre Dame, right? Unless you're at a a school that's one of those elite schools anyway. um, I think you're going to, you're going to jump pretty quickly when you have that shot at that big 10 or sec job. And I think that's bad. I think what you're taking is you're taking fans of, people who are fans of Pac-12 schools, the Pac-12 is gone now, obviously, but people who are fans of Big 12 schools or ACC schools, and you're turning them into group of five fans. Because mm-hmm. that's how it always used to be in the group of five. You lose your, you know, you lose your coach and he moves on and his his group of players either leave or they transfer up to play, you know, at the end of their careers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's now happening, but it's happening across most of college football. And I think it's a really alarming place to be. I agree. Um, it's, it's scary. It makes you nervous. Um, and I, I feel, I do, I feel bad. I feel bad for, for teams in the big 12 and the ACC and, and, and I feel bad for the, for the delusion of the, the PAC 12. I, I really do. I think, um, I even feel a little bad for Washington. I do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's there's some things here that that um this changing landscape like sure there's some like kind of exciting things about it. There's some cool different stuff. It's evolving, it's changing. But from is it taking away from like the soul of the sport and and how we perceived it for so long and what it was and into now which and I know people keep talking about this and I don't want to get into it too much but like it is turning into more or less like a semi-pro sport and it's becoming less and less this it's taking away the regionality, which is what made it so cool about it in the first place. Yeah. And, and now, you know, making it this national thing as like maybe cool as the idea sounds. Um, I feel I'm a little nervous that, you know, it's going to just take away though of, of the things that, that everyone was growing up with, with the tradition and the generations that experienced that together. And um, the only thing that I can think of, which who knows, maybe it will go to this, especially with like the big 10, I think, um, you know, having now being bi-coastal and is, I know there's not going to be any divisions or pods or whatever at this point in time. But I, what I think is kind of funny is eventually, you know, if it continues to grow, especially that it'll have to, and therefore it'll have to. Yeah, and therefore, essentially, it's just going to kind of break up into <laughs> into, <laughs> into what it was before. What it was before, you know, we're going to well, yeah, yeah. If the Big Ten has twenty schools, I think they should have the if they break into divisions, they should have the Big Ten, the the ten, and yeah. then the and then in the other, you know, the twenty be Penn State on. Yeah, I know? agree. I agree. I think that'd be awesome. I uh, do. I think that's what, how they're going to do it. Probably not. No, no. but. 
that'd be fun. Um, and hopefully maybe with the new NCAA football game, we can do that. But, um, yeah, but, <laughs> but yeah, man, I, I'm, it does make me sad. I do feel bad for some of these programs in other conferences that do, they, they too have a long storied history. Yes. And, and it's just, it's sad to see that go away in some of these places. Um, and you know, and there's no no telling that like that this whole experiment of these super conferences is going to work out either. Like it can no. fall apart, it can fail miserably. Um, we don't Fan know. Fan apathy can set in. Absolutely. And college football. College football is currently the second most popular team sport in America, only behind the NFL. Mm-hmm. But there's it's you know people forget that, but there's easily a world where where it could fall behind you know the NBA and even baseball and it can fall behind some of these pro leagues yeah. like that can happen. And you know, college football can lose its popularity if it doesn't appeal to the fans. Here's the, here's what I think is ironic about this, John. I think the way to save us from being more like a pro sport is to act a little bit, even more like a pro sport. And that's having a collective bargaining agreement. Mm. Players would be under multi-year contracts and at least then, if they wanted to leave their current school, they'd have to pay a buyout. So the new school that's going to take your player is going to have to pay you a buyout if they're going to take your player. And so that'll make guys more likely to stay in place. And it'll make it easier for the school that started with the player to bid and compete to keep them on their roster. So I do think that potentially the best solution to this is having a collective bargaining agreement and paying the players directly because I just don't see I don't see how we get out of this every year guy everyone can change and walk out the door and your roster can disappear mm-hmm. I don't know how we fix that without multi-year contracts and a collective bargaining agreement I agree man I think something like that needs to be um, implemented hopefully sooner than later I think yes. it's gonna have to come down to some levels of there's gonna have to be contracts um, with players coaches uh, it's it's all gonna have to come down with I think ine- inevitably the conferences are just gonna have to handle all of this because the NCAA is just you know the NCAA is punted the NCAA doesn't want to deal with anything great they're irrelevant Exactly. They, you don't matter now. It's going to so, be up to the conferences yeah. and the com- and it's going to be up to the Big Ten and the SEC because they're the ones who have the most money to do it. Yep. Yep. I hope it happens, man. I really do. Because I, I don't want this to turn into a, a sport where I personally start losing interest because I just I'm I'm over it and, and all of the the radical changes and it's just the wild west and there's no control and no, no precedence set anywhere. And I, I get tired of, of, uh, I think, and I think fans, the reason that they're like, some are becoming apathetic and falling away is because they're, they don't, it's, it's hard to understand and grasp it anymore because it's, it's changing too rapidly and you need well, to you don't have players for three to five years anymore before you had players for three to five years. Yeah. And you get to know them and their story and you get, you know, used to their ups and downs and cheering for them and blah, blah, blah. And it's like now guys are mercenaries and mm-hmm. like, you know, guys are walking out your the door in the transfer portal and other guys are walking in the door in the transfer portal. And it's a, it's a lot to keep track of for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, all right. I want to go to. Oh, before I want to say bring up one other point of something that we wanted to address with the. uh with the Alabama hire. So, um, uh, Kalen DeBoer has hired both Kane Womack, who's South Alabama's head coach to be his DC. And he hired Mo Lindquist, who's a head coach at Buffalo in the Mac to be a position coach in the secondary, either corners or safeties. I'm not sure. Um, So it shows now it is better to be an assistant coach at a power two school than it is to be a head coach at a group of five school. Uh, Linguist is considered an up and comer in the profession and so is Womack. So I think it's a dangerous place to be where we see these guys like imagine as a player how demoralizing it's going to be when, you know, you're a coach sells you on his vision and says, I'm going to develop you for four or five years. And then he goes to be a position coach or something. And he's not even going to be a head coach anymore just because it pays that much more money. And that's where we are now. Yeah. And it's, and you can't blame the kids, you know, 
for having these players having no allegiance, I guess you will, to to schools either because oh. they do. They see these coaches do the same thing. So why why should, you know, and when I see fans get upset about that, you know, coaches leave for different jobs all the freaking time without apologizing to the fan base or, you know, jumping around just like we talked about Jed Fish and and like it's so why are we getting mad at these players, these kids that are doing the same thing and just trying to do what they feel is best for them at the time? You know, I get it. I mean, it's frustrating, too, but I I, I understand the frustration from the fans point of view, but I, I also get why these kids are doing it. Yeah, absolutely. So I've got a I've got a sad we've got a sad moment, John. We all have to take a moment of silence for a really tragic moment. Leah Tugavailoa. Maryland quarterback had his waiver to play a seventh year denied by the NCAA, despite no. former coach Nick Saban, <coughs> excuse me, advocating for him to get another year. So Leah was in the transfer portal. He wasn't planning to go back to Maryland. He was going to probably potentially even be at maybe at Alabama or some other high profile school. He was going to walk in and do it, but nope, no longer the NCAA flexed what power it has left. And said, no, Leah Tugavailoa, you're not coming back for a seventh year. You have to go to the NFL or not at all. Wow. Huh. All right. I kind of thought he was going to get the waiver. I kind of did, too. I w- I'm like, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm a little surprised. I was interested to see where he might go. Um, I know. You know, I was sad to see him leave Maryland. I was like, oh, come on, man. You know, if you're going to yeah, play another year. Maryland. If you're going to play another year, stay at Maryland, right? Yeah. But, huh. But now wow. he's not playing another year at all. And then, similarly, star former uh, Washington State quarterback Cam Ward had declared for the NFL draft, but Miami offered him a bag to stay in school, and now he's coming back for another year. So I bring this up not because this improves Miami's chances in the ACC, which it definitely does, but I bring it up to highlight how guys who were middle-round picks before are now staying in college an extra year if schools make it worth their while financially. Ohio State's talked a lot of potential draft picks into staying another year next year. Michigan last year talked a bunch of guys into staying another year this year. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more of this trend going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it maybe it, in a way, I mean, it actually does pay to stay and finish your degree and finish out your time yeah. playing. Yeah, literally. Absolutely. Well, good for them. I know. It'll be interesting. Cam Ward, he's a he can play. It'll be really interesting to see if Miami is finally good or if Crystal Ball is underachieves expectations like he tends to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, man. Should we wrap this up, or is there anything else you want to address before we get out of here? No. I, um, oh, yes. Uh, we wanted to talk about the um, people contributing. Um, we wanted to talk about how we've been posting about that, and we want to hopefully um get some more people on board we're like i said before at the beginning of the podcast uh we are looking to reach out to uh fans from each fan base within the big 10 we would love to have some people help contribute uh people that we can bounce some questions off of your thoughts um about the internal workings or goings on of your program and what's going on with the football program head coaches assistants all the all of the above um, we're going to compose a list of questions and we're going to be sending them out to people, but, uh, we would love it if anyone out there who is interested, um, and we would absolutely give you a shout out. We would love to talk further, have you on the show, whatever, um, have you on the pod. And, and so let us know, um, you can Twitter, you can shoot us a message on at Twitter at we live for B1G sat. You can direct message us at Alibaba or at Norwegian Gopher, um, and you can email us. We live for Saturday, B1G at gmail.com. Yeah, so what we want is inside is insiders, people who are, you know, who are big fans like you are. If you're in minute 64 of this college football podcast with us, you're a big fan. So uh, we want experts from, you know, expert fans from each team to help us in covering your program. So now that we're getting the off season, we're going to, we're going to go really in depth on all the teams, the season that was, that we just had and the season that's, that's going to happen next year. Um, and we just really want a lot of help 
to make sure we can cover your team as well as possible, right? We want to provide the most in-depth, accurate coverage of your team. So we appreciate the people who have already reached out. We've had um, we've had several people reach out, so we're excited about that. But we want an insider for each of the 18 Big Ten football teams. And also, even though we are both Gopher fans, we were looking for, we think it's it's good to have an insider for every team. So we're still, we're also looking for a Minnesota fan. So if you're a Minnesota fan and want to help us out, um, don't think that you can't just because we are Minnesota fans. We are looking for help from all 18 new Big Ten fan bases. That's right. Awesome. Thank you ahead uh, of time. Yes. Thank you so much ahead of time. All right. Well, thank you. And uh, thank you listeners for sticking with us this long. I think we are going to roll out of here right now. So I appreciate you listening and have a great day. We'll be back soon with more stuff. Yeah. Looking forward to it. We're going to be covering a ton of stuff here in the off season. And obviously there's a lot more to come. All right. Take care, everybody.